This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I have no problem with, with quick releases from guys. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Join the Minnesota Vikings, Frederick Rick Spiel and Mike Zimmer. Great job. Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney in the first round. Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Gladney, cornerback, TCU. I love the two fourth-round picks. James Lynch, defensive lineman, Baylor, and Troy Dye, linebacker, Oregon. Man, you add Justin Jefferson to the mix. Unlike, and I'm sorry, Packers fans, you know you needed a wide receiver. Well, they lost Stephon Diggs, and they went out and got a new Stephon Diggs for their offense, and that's what Justin Jefferson can do. But it didn't stop there. Jeff Gladney, to me, was the third-best corner in this draft. Um, while he is only five foot ten, a little over 5'10", he does have the ability to uh, make a tremendous amount of plays on the football. I haven't found a negative thing said about the Vikings draft in 72 hours, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Score North, and the Score North app. And you can always subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or the aforementioned Score North app. And gentlemen, let's start the show. We're going to get into the last dance. We're going to get into all kinds of things recapping the draft that was this past weekend. And bonus action movie rewind tomorrow on the show. Because we didn't give you that on Friday last week. So we're going to have a, a double dose this week. But what is, with, with all the positive reviews about the Vikings draft, and I think the worst letter grade I've seen is like a B plus. Otherwise, like yeah. everyone who did letter grades is A, 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 A minus, B plus. What is your favorite thing about the Vikings draft from the, uh, any of the 15 picks, anything, anywhere you want to go with this, your favorite thing about the Vikings draft this last weekend? Getting 15 picks, right? I mean, Man. is that is that not Rick Judd being just Rick? stole my answer. Getting Judd 15, just stole my answer. It's in the in the modern era seven round draft. It's the record, and so Collar Rick's and I been eyeing that for ten years. Right? Collar and I were doing the draft show late Friday, right? And Courtney joins us, and it, it's shortly before the Vikings are set to take their last pick in the third round. And Courtney and Collar both like. He's going to trade. I'm like, I, I don't know at this point. He not only works that trade with the Saints guys, but he works it to get the rest of the Saints draft. It is the most Spielman of Spielman, and I'm not saying it makes it a great draft, and I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying this was, if there's ever been quintessential Rick, 15 picks, Rami Maklov is quintessential Rick Spielman. I, I half expected him, Rami, to just announce his retirement the next day and say <laughs> 
My work just go out is on done. top. My life's work is done. This was, this was his Super Bowl victory. Managing to pick 14 guys in one draft was his Super Bowl victory. So what was, okay, aside from him just getting that many picks, what was your... Sorry, but it's just, no, that's all right. It's incredible. What Rick Spielman did, and this is a very, this is a very drafty term, football drafty term, he let the board fall to him. Football. He didn't reach. Wow. He didn't. He didn't let any any good players at a position of need pass him by. He didn't get outside himself. He didn't get outside himself. Football. When he saw a player at a position of need who was among the best in the board who might go in the next few picks, he took him. When he saw a chance to move back and get more picks and still get a player at one of those positions of need who he thought was at the top of what was left from that position group, he went and drafted him. And, or or he or he traded down if he thought he could still get him. I thought it was a brilliantly executed draft by Rick Spielman. Now, will that turn into a whole bunch of good football players? Who knows? The NFL draft is a complete and total crapshoot. But he gave himself the most chances at doing it, and like I said, let the board fall to him. And that what Rami just said there is why it's it it becomes less of a crapshoot if you have more bodies and. I think there's a case to be made for using some of your draft capital to trade for a Trent Williams, and we'll dive into those reports and discussions. But like, was there was there an opportunity to trade up in the first round for someone and only wind up with twelve or thirteen picks in the total draft, or trade up for a player that you like in the second round uh, a little bit better than Ezra Cleveland? Like, there's all there's all sorts of things you can parse apart here. But ultimately, when you draft fifteen players. You're giving yourself the best chance that five, six, or seven of them become starting caliber guys on your team. So if the goal was let's get younger, let's retool this roster, and let's give us the best opportunity in the 2020 draft to make sure that we land like a handful or more of starting caliber players. Right. Well, having 15 picks is one way to go about that. It's kind of a math equation. And I think the difference here, too, is needs because. We've seen Spielman conduct a lot of drafts where you feel like the Vikings have, let's say, two or three needs, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, are you going to get that guy for that spot? This draft was, I don't recall the last time the Vikings went into a draft, needing this many players at different positions. So I think you had the luxury this year of accumulating picks and just basically sitting there and making them. And so, you know, first round, receiver. Awesome. That's great. Cornerbacks, take four. That's fine. Or three. Safeties, take two. Tackle, take one or two. So I think the difference, too, is our perception of what Spielman did is probably more positive based on the fact that the Vikings entered that draft with a plethora of needs as opposed to the years where it's just been like, if you get a, if you get a cornerback, you're fine. Also, as Jonathan points out, the Vikings already have 12 picks in next year's draft. So wow. they could they could wind up in a two year period they could wind up drafting Rick really might seven players Rick really might just retire and walk <laughs> off into the sunset guys it, it's I mean, twelve what, right what now amazing what it's else twelve is left right now for a GM to do yeah it's twelve right now let me get the breakdown here because if it's twelve right now he's going to have at least two if not three more compensatory picks it that's part of the competitive oh, okay twelve is with the compensatory the point is the point is in two thousand and twenty one if Rick is still here and I'm assuming he will be he's going to try to break the two thousand twenty record it. go for it sixteen. <laughs> 
31 with rookies tw- and Kirk Cousins. <laughs> with the 27th pick. <laughs> with their 27th pick of the 2021 draft. Uh, what did the price tag wind up being again on Trent Williams? It was a fifth and a, th- was uh, a, fifth and a third. Third, third next, next year. year. Yes, sir. Okay. So I think that price, if, if we go back a month ago and we had this discussion on this show and said, all right, what would you give up for Trent Williams? I think all of us said, I mean, a second? Like, for sure a third, mm-hmm. and then let's say a future fifth if you flip-flopped him. Okay, if it was between Ezra Cleveland, so second round, young, hopeful tackle, rookie, right. or trade exactly what they wound up getting, a fifth and next year's third for Trent Williams, which would you guys have done if there was a choice? And we don't know if there was a choice. That's the other part of this discussion. But uh-huh. but if there was a choice, what would like you guys you rather there. have? Ronnie? I make I make the trade. I would have I would have done everything in my power, you know, without without going overboard. I would have done everything in my power to get Trent Williams and a Vikings uniform, guys, because I'm trying to win games in 2020. And as much as I like this draft, and I know everybody else likes this draft who who pays attention to the NFL draft, not just Vikings people. There's not one person who, who covers the NFL draft, who watches the NFL. Nobody who I've talked to thinks the Vikings didn't didn't fare well over the weekend in the NFL draft. But even that being said. It's it's fool's gold or a fool's errand to think that these guys are going to come in and immediately make this a much better football team. That's just not how it works in the NFL. Rookies rarely have major impact, especially at the positions of need that the Vikings have and drafted. Offensive line, corner, wide receiver. These are positions where it's the hardest to make immediate impact when you get into the league. Trent Williams does that. Trent Williams comes in, and immediately you know you're going to get a certain level of play from the guy. Yes, he didn't play at all last year. Collar, I think, said today on Score North Live, weekdays noon to two, by the way, me and a rotating cast of Score North personalities, and anytime you want on the totally free Score North app, that he hasn't played a full 16-game season since 20, did he say 2013 or 2015? Uh, tw- 2013. Either It's a long time. Okay, but you at least know when he's healthy, you're going to get a certain level of play from Trent Williams, and he makes your offensive line better. So I would have I would have gone to almost any lengths within reason to make Trent Williams a Viking if that was possible. I think they did. I think they that's abso- very well possible. I, I think they absolutely did. And in fact, um, according to an NFL.com report, as of Friday, they were in contract negotiations, and then. Uh, Trent or his camp said, you know what, Minnesota, 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 let's see, uh, the 49ers, the Rams, and the Vikings like me, where do I want want to go? And then it leaked out, and Ian Rapport reported that late Friday night, and of course the Williams camp and his people came back and said, oh, we never said that, yeah. we never said that, which of course is probably BS. Uh, I don't think it's something clandestine, I think it probably is not, I, it's probably not money and it's probably not the compensation because I do think the Vikings would have pulled the exact same trade with Washington. I think at the age of 31 going on 32 what good old Trent decided to do and it makes sense is look at the situations and look at do you want to go to the Vikings and be reunited with Kirk Cousins who I believe you blocked for for three years who is a nice player who is a nice player not saying he's bad he's not okay or do you want to go to the Bay Area and play for Kyle Shanahan, who was your offensive coordinator in 2010 and is considered one of the brightest young offensive minds still in this game with uh, a competitive team, and you're going to be stepping into Joe Staley's spot, who's retiring with a team that I think right now, right or wrong, is uh, thought to be better than the Vikings. I think Trent probably said, I'll take Dorby. I buy it. I, I buy the reports, and I'm reading this from ESPN, 
Uh, I'll just read this and then I'll give you my thoughts here. Washington uh, offensive tackle Trent Williams denying that he struck down a potential trade to the Vikings because he didn't want to play in Minnesota. He told ESPN Saturday, so he went on the record with this. No, that's not true, Williams said. However, sources confirmed to ESPN that the potential trade partners were informed at some point Friday that Williams did not want to play for the Vikings, as was first reported by NFL Networks. Now you have ESPN and NFL Networks saying, no, like someone from his camp did say this. And I, I, I believe it. I, I, I think Trent Williams probably doesn't want it to be out there. Like he doesn't want any bad blood. But uh, is there a chance that he played three years with Kirk Cousins and was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't hate Kirk, but right. like, I, three years with Kirk was enough for me. And <laughs> if I have a chance to go play in San Francisco and all the things the judge just mentioned, so you know, if if there was full buy-in and Trent Williams was all in and Trent Williams was all about Cousins and the Vikings. And they had a chance to get him for a fifth and a future third. I would say, yeah, I'd probably roll the dice on him staying healthy enough for fourteen or fifteen games. Uh, but there are like the fact that this guy has played in the NFL for about a decade and only twice in nine seasons has he played sixteen games. That tells you something there too. So if there's like if there's any hesitation or if there's any sort of I'm not sure if I'm into this. Then don't don't then look to overpay and say, well, how about we sweeten the pot by giving you more money and giving more picks? Yeah, and I'm to I'm, Washington. I'm sure there are, there are things about Trent Williams that that we don't know that either that he's he's a he's a better a better player than maybe we think he is, or maybe he's not as good of a player as we think he is. The layman on the outside looking in, just watching NFL football. The Vikings obviously have a lot more information on Trent Williams than we do. And if some of that information makes them say he's not worth the the capital that was asked for it, or if he just, for whatever reason, said, I'm not coming here, then I'm not I'm not going to go too far out of my way or too far out outside the the reach of, of what's reasonable to get Trent Williams in a Vikings uniform. But if it if if he is anywhere close to the player that we know him to be, given his track record in the league, and if there was a way to get him here and make him happy without overpaying, I would have I would have gone re- really far to make that happen. So as it stands, they wind up with Ezra Cleveland, and if you look right now at the offensive line depth chart, they didn't really do a lot with the guard position in this draft, but is it possible that ah. either Ezra Cleveland or Riley Reef could move inside, yes, right? Think, that's Tonight. exactly right. Um, I, I mean, think left guard is solved but, in their well, if But if, if it's Riley Reef and he moves to left guard, or either way, it's only solved for one year. Right. Unless you think Riley Reef is going to stick right. around for less money or something. Mm-hmm. But it is solved at least on paper for 2020. And then the right guard spot appears to be just an open competition once and if training camp hits at some point. So how do you guys feel about the Vikings offensive line after this draft and looking at what they have? Brian O'Neill, I think we all feel pretty good about. Right guard up in the air. Bradbury needs to get better, but he was a first-round pick. And then Ezra Cleveland and Riley Reeve. Riley? I mean, it's it's the same offensive line that they had last year until we find out what Ezra Cleveland is and if he can play at the next level or what position he's going to play. Is he going to be a tackle? Will he be a left tackle? Will he be a right tackle? And you bump Ryan O'Neal to the left side. Will you bump Riley Reef inside? We don't know exactly how this thing is going to be configured, but ultimately, because of what I just said a minute ago, guys, about how hard it is to come in and make an impact in your rookie year and specifically at the offensive line position, I haven't seen an upgrade to this offensive line yet. I like Ezra Cleveland. I like the pick. Did right. not expect him to fall to them all the way at fifty eight. But do do have you seen anything to indicate that this is a better offensive line 
than it was in 2019, outside of another year of experience in the system with Gary Kubiak, et cetera, et cetera, you would expect maybe a, a step forward in terms of the progression of the guys that are here. But when you just look at what's on paper, are they better than they were last year? I don't, I, I don't know that to be a fact. I think it's fair to say that um, with picks the Vikings made in this draft, that the realistic um, outlook should be that we think that they're trending in the right direction for 2021. 2020, we don't know. And if you're going to obviously not have any camps in May and June and show up at some point in when? July, August? Uh, to, to expect this class is going to uh, get into camp and hit the ground and take off, it's folly. So that being said, though, the Vikings and Spielman in particular addressed a lot of needs that this team had to build itself up for for the future. That doesn't mean the guys can't get really valuable experience in 2020, but if we're grading this right now and being like, oh, boy, this is... No, no. And, and in fact, today... I finally figured out a grading system for drafts that makes sense. All right? Because I've been thinking, this is really stupid, because we try and grade this immediately, like, oh, they got an A+, plus. it's great. Two grades from now on, okay? Immediate impact grade. So so if you're a good team, did you draft guys who are going to step in in 2020 and be good? That's one grade. The second grade overall, prime team, the Packers, right? The immediate impact rate of the Green Bay Packers is probably an F. And it's it's being panned all across. Right. Yes. But you know what? For all I know, they got a quarterback for 2022. Yeah. But my point is, as far as if you're a Vikings fan, we have no clue that these guys, aside from maybe Jefferson and maybe Gladney, and that might be a stretch, are going to step in in the coming season and work. But... Two years down the road, it might be fantastic. Yeah. If you're trying to figure out how much better a football team you are based on what you've drafted and developed, you're better served to go back and look at the 2018 draft and who has who's still on the roster from that, who has a chance to make a big leap forward this year. The 2019 draft and who's still on the roster from that that has a chance to make a big leap forward in terms of their progression this year. To look at 2020 and ask yourself how much they'll impact or, or try and, and, and assess how much better this football team is based on how much they'll impact the football team is it's 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 a foolish exercise to be quite honest with you the other thing that we tend to do i think with with drafts like this you look at the first and second and even sometimes third round picks and you jump to the best possible conclusion about them no and then with the fourth fifth and all the way through you like those guys are crapshoots but like oh first second third round picks and so if you look at the Vikings the last five, ten years in drafts, you know, in 2015, in the first three rounds, you would have said, all right, Trey Waynes, Eric Kendricks, Dina Hunter, awesome. You got a starting cornerback, you fixed a need at linebacker, and you found a pass rusher over there in Daniel Hunter to go opposite Everson Griffin. Like, all of it on paper is great. And in retrospect, it was. Like, they nailed those three picks for the most part, and they nailed Stefan Diggs a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. But then there's other drafts like 2013 where the Vikings had three first-round picks, and we all sat there that night, and in your head you're thinking, like you're only thinking best-case scenario because they're all first-round picks. These are all guys that we've seen in mock drafts and big boards, and wow, they drafted Sharif Floyd. Man, there's a an eight-year defensive tackle starter. Xavier Rhodes, lockdown cornerback. They got that one right. And Cordero Patterson, game-breaking wide receiver. Like all these... <laughs> 
all these holes that were filled and you and in the moment you give them the treatment of what, like what their best outcome would be right and and so that's that's what the Vikings kind of protected against by drafting 15 players is that all right let's take the four guys in the first three rounds all right Justin Jefferson wide receiver Jeff Gladney cornerback Ezra Cleveland tackle and then Cameron Dantzler the cornerback mm-hmm. like ideally you would you would have nailed all four of those and now you've got Two starting corners, you got a franchise left tackle, and you got a star wide receiver. But like the reality is, two of those guys are probably busts. Like that's the reality. But or will struggle for a while. Sure. But you hedged by taking right. eleven other players. <laughs> and out of those eleven other players from rounds four through seven, yep. there's a really good chance that like four of them become starters for you. Eventually, and sure. And that's kind of like that's the cushion that the Vikings allowed themselves by drafting that many players. But Rhodes, except that crappy Iowa quarterback, I don't know what that was all about. It's your developmental QB to, to go no, with Brown. He's or an something. Iowa quarterback. He's garbage. Okay, your hate, and I heard that this uh, meltdown on Score North Live yeah, too. Terrible. Your hate for a guy from the Big Ten for the Hawkeyes. He might stink. It's irrational. Yeah, when I think, when it's I completely think great irrational. Area, when I think great aerial attacks, you know, I think Iowa you, football. We here at Score North right. give you hard-hitting breakdowns until it gets to teams <laughs> Phil doesn't like, and then we crap on them. Dude, Nate Stanley. All right, Nate Stanley played I, okay, three years go. at Iowa, okay? All right, first of all, he plays for Iowa. So Exactly. But, like, how many... How many <laughs> NFL tight ends did that guy have? Like, he threw to TJ Hawkinson. Who was the other tight end they had? Noah Fant. He's got right? accuracy problems. That dude, okay? had, that dude had NFL tight ends all over the all over the field for three years, and he couldn't complete. If Tanner Morgan had just been taken by the Vikings, you'd be the most excited guy in the studio. That's true. You'd be like Tanner Morgan, man. And PJ developed for him. Sure. Actually, Tanner, we're going to get to a 2021 mock draft here at some point. Tanner Morgan, I wonder where... I haven't looked at any of them. But there was that one year where <laughs> Todd McShay had Mitch Leidner as the 24th overall pick for the Cowboys. I remember it. Yeah. So... But, but I had, anyway, yeah, uh, go ahead. the the Rhodes point is is this. Rhodes goes first round 2013, right? And we all thought, oh man, great pick. It's going to be, and it was eventually. But if if um if the kid that the Vikings took from TCU, Gladney, right, Jeff Gladney, if he struggles next year, you shouldn't be like, oh, it's a bad pick. You have no clue, right? And and in fact. I would say that the Vikings still should sign a veteran corner, at least one, to ease this kid in as slowly as possible. When you look at, at this class, the expectation should be, I think, what's it going to do for the future of the Vikings? It should not be, how is it going to impact 2020? Because when we think that that way, that's how you ruin players, they lose confidence, or they just stink, and it doesn't help you. Yeah. So we've got plenty more uh, to discuss off the Vikings draft and, and more questions to answer. And also, what should the NFL take from just the overall Zoom experience of those three days? Rami was right about this. We'll dive into that as well. And the last dance, episodes three and four, were just off the charts amazing last night. You as happy as I was, guys? So we'll do that, too. Carmen Electra hasn't aged in 20 years. I got questions. Rami, Rami had a couple questions, too, that we... Throughout earlier on Scorn Off Live. And I got questions just about her, though. Let's, we'll get to them. I mean, just, Five o'clock I'm so today. confused. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. And uh, you can listen to us in podcast form, too, on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app from the TCL Studios. 
Uh, I'm glad you're still open. Open, open. Helping support our local businesses through the coronavirus crisis. We are open for business. This is open for business. Still open, yeah? Yeah. On Score North. Another episode here of Open for Business on Score North. Now, these are unprecedented times in our country, in the state of Minnesota. And uh, we're just looking to highlight some of the businesses that are still open, still operational, still looking to serve people. And Josh Fisher, our friend from the Refuge Golf Club in Oak Grove, is with us here today. Uh, Josh, it's not a bad day to, uh, if you're me, go shoot like a 107 today. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, a lot of people uh, in your same boat out utilizing the golf course today and shoot anywhere from, like you said, 97 to 127 this day and age, you know. So, <laughs> so all right. So what are the things? I know d- different golf courses are probably tweaking things differently, but for you specifically at the Refuge, what changes have there been to the courses, just to the way that golfers interact with, with 18 holes? Um, so we pretty much followed the guidelines set forth by um, the governor and the governor's office with the order. Um, I know a lot of golf courses are doing it uh, each a little bit differently, but for us, you know, we're really promoting the online tee times. Um, we're really trying to stress, um, you know, booking that way, paying over the phone um, so that there's no interaction in the clubhouse, obviously. Um, one person per golf cart, which has been a little bit trying over the last few days. Um, you know, we've got a pretty good sized fleet of, you know, 80 golf carts, which, on a normal Saturday lasts us, you know, all day, no problem. We've been kind of running out here and there on our busier days, which is a good problem to have. Like you mentioned, um, you know, clean and sanitizing those. We've got a, a, a good young staff of kids that are out of school right now, obviously. So they're willing to help out and get us, you know, get them clean and sanitized the best that we, that we were able to by the, by the guidelines set forth from the CDC and everything like that. And as far as, golf course i mean the golf course is in great shape we had a couple of weeks to work on it without having golfers in our way so it's in good shape and you know eliminating all those touch points um you know no rakes or ball washers and stuff like that you know i haven't had any complaints right now golfers i think are just happy to get out so nice and then and then what about pins uh so we yeah that's kind of seems to be the the hot topic everybody's doing that a little bit different too so for us we've got um, the, the cups are in the hole. The flag sticks are in the, in the cup. Um, we're telling everybody don't touch the flag stick whatsoever. And then we've got, um, our superintendent is pretty clever. He came up with a, uh, like a pool noodle that went down into the cup and then it's got a, a little plastic concave, um, uh, circular thing that goes in it. So it doesn't allow the ball to go down into the cup. Um, one of our members actually made a, a hole in one on it last weekend over the over the weekend, so that was pretty cool. The ball came to rest right on the edge of the cup, and it you know surely would have went in in any era, let alone COVID nineteen era. So we were pretty pleased about that, and have to seem to get some pretty good feedback. Nice. All right. So if if people are interested in uh, in playing a round or two at the refuge, what's the best place to just go website? Tell the audience. Yeah, yep, refugegolfclub.com. There's a, a, a link right on there for online tee times. Everything can be settled up right over, on, right over the right over the computer online, so they can pay online and, and get settled up there. They can still obviously um, call if they're not comfortable putting their credit card information online like some people are these days. They can certainly call and pay for that over the phone, and we can um, you know, give them the receipt or just toss the receipt. 
And I would just, I mean, not to speak on your behalf here, but I would just add, you know, if if you're on the fence or you if, if you're a golfer and you haven't gotten out yet, the weather's been pretty amazing for the most part the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, the refuge and and other places need your business. You know, this is this is a tough time. So I would just encourage golfers. It's a great course, the refuge in Oak Grove, and uh, hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes here, uh, Josh. But um, give. Give the refuge a little bit of business here, if you can, over the next few weeks. Yeah, we'll take all that we can get. I appreciate it. Yep. All right, Josh. Take care, man. Thanks for coming on. You guys have a good afternoon. Thank you. All right, that is Josh Fisher from the Refuge Golf Club in Oak Grove. We'll come back, give you our takeaways to uh, what the NFL should take going forward with its Zoom draft. And uh, we found a 2021 mock to unveil as well. Federated Mutual Insurance Company has been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota and around the country since the early 1900s, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. And during these difficult times, Federated just wants to express gratitude to our medical professionals, rescue workers, for all your service, everything you've been doing the last couple months, and everything you will continue to do going forward. And also, thank you to our local businesses. You are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. You can visit federatedinsurance.com to find all kinds of trusted resources that you may need as a business owner. You can also just call and speak to a local marketing representative as well. But um, anything involving risk management or materials that would help with communications to employees and recommended pandemic response plans, everything continues to change and evolve, and Federated is here to help navigate you through this process. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Time is running short for some cash relief with Score North listening rewards for the month of April. Thanks to our awesome partners, Score North is giving you the chance at $25 to $200 in cash just for listening to us and having the Score North app. For your chance at free cash, download the Score North app and enter through listening rewards. Boys, you guys mentioned Tanner Morgan possibly in that last segment. Well, he was brought up by... Uh, by Mel Kuyper in the post-draft uh, coverage. Here's what he said about one Gophers quarterback. In terms of quarterbacks, I've got to assume atop the 2021 class next year is going to be Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, there's no there's no debating this. What about what about your 2021 group? Good group. Justin Fields, Ohio State, is going to be right there. I like Tanner Morgan at Minnesota in terms Ooh. of quarterbacks, but not in the top group. Not in the top Ooh. group, but names in second among all the other quarterbacks Ooh. in the nation. There's that steam for you. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business during the coronavirus pandemic. You can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North app. We are all in this together, and we need your support to help our local community. To hear from our area partners, please visit scorenorth.com and use the keyword open. That's been the Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Joe with Rami. I want a mock. Mock! Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. That's right. There's more There's more where this came from, too. This is just the first one. What do we got? This is from CBSSports.com. Oh, I got one, too. Uh-huh. Oh, All dueling right. mocks. Jonathan, can you, uh, can you hit it for us? <laughs> Let's do this. Hold on. Jonathan, can you hit the NFL music? Okay. 
can't proceed until justice. There we go. <laughs> oh. All right. We, we like contractually cannot proceed. No, until we can't. Can. Is we that can't agreement now? Without music. Very talented. Jonathan was on the phone with a listener trying to find the NFL feelings music. An octopus. All right. <laughs> That's a very uncomfortable term. Thank you for that, Rami. What? An octopus. You have many tentacles to do many things all at once. It's a compliment. Boy. It's a compliment. You have to be an octopus to be that a good producer. Like a I've said this before. Can I hear the 2021 mock draft? Sure, please? sure. Please. All right. Trevor Lawrence, number one, to the... And, and the the order of the teams is interesting, too, because it's sort of like, ooh, how crappy do they think your team is going to be? Well, they think the Jaguars are going to be really crappy at CBSSports.com, drafting Trevor Lawrence, number one. Mm-hmm. They've got the Bengals still crappy, drafting number two. Do you want to do a pick and then I'll do a pick from our dueling mocks, or you want to do yours and then I'll do mine? Well, do you have... What, which mock do you have? I have the athletic 2021 mock draft. But the draft order might be different. That's what I'm saying. It might be interesting to see how crappy oh, your you. guy thinks they'll be got and how it. crappy my guy thinks okay, they'll be. Okay, give us yeah. the number one overall. Number one is Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars. You are going to take Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> All right, number two for you? Uh, Washington will take... Panay Suell, offensive tackle from Oregon. CBS has Washington picking third, drafting the same player. Uh, They've got the Bengals drafting second, taking Jamar Chase, wide receiver. Mm -hmm. All right, skip to anywhere. See, my guys here at The Athletic, number three, they don't see the Teddy Bridgewater experiment working out in Carolina. They got the Panthers with the third pick, taking quarterback Justin Fields from Ohio State one year after signing Teddy. Okay, mm. I call shenanigans here between <laughs> either CBS Sports or The Athletic. Because How dare you? CBS How Sports, dare you, sir? How C- dare you question Dan Brugler? CBS Sports has the Panthers not quite as crappy, but drafting fifth and taking quarterback Justin Fields mm. from Ohio State. What's the release time on these two mock drafts? Do you have yours, Rami? Um, let me see here. This was released. No, I don't have a time. Just uh-huh. a date. April 27th. This was put out this morning. Do you have a, a, do you have a date, Phil? This was put out this morning as well. Are you, are you accusing collusion? I don't know. Are you saying there's been collusion? It seems odd that both of them would have Carolina, who just signed a hero from the Minnesota Vikings. I say hashtag no collusion. Well, you're... All right, let's skip to your Bears here at pick 14. Decidedly mediocre, probably finishing like 8-8. That would be the worst thing that could happen. And your Bears are taking Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy with the 14th overall pick. See, they have my Bears finishing at 15 in the athletic draft and taking free safety Javon Holland out of Oregon. Interesting. All right. I'm trying to find... Uh, I've got a Bears question once we're done with this for all right, uh, our colleague. Ryan. All right. All right. CBSSports.com has the Vikings picking 26th. So making a nice little yeah, run. Yeah. Decent little yeah, season. Playoff team right. right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And selecting from Alabama, defensive back Josh Joby. Josh Joby uh, what is he? would add more secondary depth. Is he a corner? Just says defensive back. I'm going to, I'm going to assume he's a cornerback. I'm going to Google him. Josh Joby? Guys, I love the Vikings pick that Dane Brugler has at 23 for your Minnesota Vikings. I don't know who he is. I just like the pick based on the name. It's Carlos Boogie Basham, you guys. Defensive end out of Wake Forest. Boogie Basham. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. All right, one more. One more interesting development here. I, I, I glossed over this one. With the 18th pick in the first round, according to CBSSports.com's 2021 mock. The Packers are taking a quarterback? Not even close. A, a gopher is going. 
Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I love going that to the Tennessee Titans. The Packers should take Rashad. That's Bateman, a great. That's who Dane Brugler has taking Rashad Bateman as the Green Bay Packers at number twenty-two, ladies whoa, and gentlemen. Whoa, That's right. That's whoa, right. Wow, so he's got Bateman to the Packers. Mm-hmm. It'll be too little too late. Bateman will be That's catching right passes before from Carlos Boogie Basham goes to your Minnesota Vikings. Amazing. I think Bateman actually might play his way into um, just outside the top ten. Dude, he's he, he's going to be he's incredibly talented. Year. Yes, it's going to be ridiculous. Who does uh who does your guy have winning the Super Bowl, Mackie, with the thirty second pick? Because this is this is a roundabout way of predicting who will win the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, you're right. It is. And I can't tell. It, it, it looks like the same matchup as last year. He's got the Chiefs beating the Niners. See, my guy has the Chiefs beating the Ravens. Okay. And Brevin Jordan, tight end out of Miami. Who's the most surprised playoff team from what you can tell on your list? Let's see. Like here. the highest. Mine is uh, on CBSSports.com. He's got the Buffalo Bills drafting 27th. Is that from a trade? Oh, wow. No. Or does he have the Buffalo Bills? No, he's the deep. Buffalo Bills being good. What's All up, right. Rami? Got the Falcons. Getting the last seed in the East, or I mean in the NFC East. Um, Broncos are making it. Chargers, he's got the Chargers in the playoffs at number 12. Hmm. Mm, don't know about that. The Dolphins are the are, have the 11th pick? Yeah, I mean... Dolphins might be okay. They're probably not, not great, they shouldn't. They shouldn't play two of this. They might though. be okay. Yeah, the the dolphins the dolphins in this mock have Actually, the I'm fourth... I'm looking at this backwards. I'm sorry. Fourth <laughs> I'm ne- never Good mind, Rami. Wow. Never mind. Rami's crazy. like... Yeah, the Jaguars and the and the yeah, Redskins are playing in the Super he's Bowl. He's got the Jets as the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. He's got he does have the Jaguars in the playoffs at seventeen. That would be the last team uh, from the uh, no thanks from the NFC making it. Steelers. Well, but the ja- Titans, Bills. Well, no, but the Jaguars. The, the Jaguars have two <laughs> picks in the first round. Anyways, okay, all right. just one thing quick. <laughs> That's true. Is there that is there I traded for. is there any more sign of having cashed it in when you're asked to do the day after the draft? A mock draft for the next year. Is there any bigger sign of completely cashing things in than picking the exact two teams that were in the Super Bowl this past season to go back again? Yeah, you got to at least. That is the lazy. Like, just don't even put, do it then. At least put the Ravens at 32 right. or something. That's you fine. Know? Mix but it up a little bit. Really? You're going to pick the Man. same two teams? It's ridiculous. That's what we like to call mailing it in in the business. Yeah. So. Tomorrow, Judd's going to unveil his 2021 mock draft. I can't wait. Just the order of it, though. Just the order of it. Yep. Yep. I've got the Chiefs and the, yeah. Okay. What what are the things the NFL should take moving forward from its three day Zoom draft extravaganza? I need Commissioner Roger Goodell from now on at home. Not standing up, though. Friday night was glorious. In the easy chair. And they, at one point, late on Friday, came back. He had fallen asleep. There is no question in my mind he had fallen asleep. And you know what I said? Like a selfie stick, poke him from the side. I would would make a case that late Friday, with Roger Goodell in his easy chair, in his home, he has never been more likable. Agreed. I loved it. Totally I agree. agree. Yeah. I didn't laugh and say, oh, you fell asleep. I laughed yeah. and said, he's me for a second. He was kind of nerdy. He was kind of like, you know, he stumbled a few times here Fine. and there. And I it was, loved it. He was human, and he was the most likable. And there was a report that came out that he sent a memo to all 32 NFL teams and said, this might have been just based on, like, everything coming together and how terrible times are in the United States right now and around the world. This might have been one of the most important and impactful things the NFL has ever pulled off. In a hundred plus years, and you know what? As much as I wanted to see technical glitches and chaos and pandemonium, 
none of that, and I can't tell you how much credit the people behind the scenes at ESPN deserve for that. To pull off this thing, guys, we talked about all the moving parts of a virtual NFL draft, and with almost certainty that something, and something serious, would go wrong. Like either a team wasn't going to be able to get a pick in on time or, or Roger Good, or Roger Goodell's feed would get messed up. Nothing, nothing really bad happened. And the people behind the scenes at ESPN and Trey Wingo for quarterbacking the whole thing, like standing ovation for them to pull it off as well as they pulled it off. Even though I was rooting for chaos and pandemonium and technical glitches, it didn't happen. And that's, that's because of them. It, it was great. And I, I would say this. It's a great sport, but for the most part, I think the public perception of the National Football League is it's this billion-dollar, ruthless, heartless sport, right? Because for the most part, people aren't important. Mm-hmm. It's the players are, the teams are, but they cut people constantly. And, and you know, there, there have certainly been times where since Goodell's been in charge, there have been things where he makes decisions, and you're like, that was totally done for PR, not for the right reasons and all of those things and i would argue the league has never looked more human than they yes. did for three days down down to things like belichick's dog mm-hmm. like it's just small stuff but for this league like like I, I think it was on day two when they cut to belichick's nantucket kitchen right and they show a graphic patriots coach bill belichick and there's his dog at the computer just stuff like that they've yes. never looked more human than they did, and they actually had a face put to them in a sport that rarely has a human face. Yes, the it's always been about the shield, right? Yeah. And you know, no player will rise above the shield. The shield continues to forge on ahead, even as its top stars leave the league. Right? Peyton Manning can retire; doesn't matter. In the NBA, it's a little bit more player centric, although it works for them too. Mm-hmm. If Michael Jordan leaves, they kind of struggle for four or five years. When Kobe Bryant leaves, like it, you definitely feel it. And I think I think the NFL can still continue to be brand above individual, but to humanize the coaches and the GMs and some of the players who are being drafted and the commissioner, like it was a home run. And not to always like bring baseball into the into the mud and drag them through, but it's like why can't why can't baseball be the one to innovate like this? And I get that this is forced innovation that the NFL never would have considered if not for the pandemic. And some of it's just like. They were the first out of the gate, and they had to come up with something in a way to operate from homes. And so, it was the timing of it was. There's no reason to ever ever invite draft prospects to the draft again. And ha- it sounds like they're still going to have a green room next. I year, know because I'm sure there's money to be made in some way, shape, or form by the way that they've done the draft all these years. But I'm telling you, short of short of the business side of it, as far as just giving me a TV product that's entertaining and better than what you've ever done there's there is no reason and i've been saying this for years that the shot in a kid's living room celebrating that moment that he's worked his whole life for with his parents and maybe you know in normal times his his high school coaches or having his friends and loved ones around that that's such a better moment so much more real so much more human than what the nfl normally does of having these guys 
walk across the stage and hug a guy who they're going to hate within the next year. Yes. There is no reason ever to invite draft prospects to a draft ever again. Send them the kits like you did this year with the cameras and the phones and the whole setup. Maybe even, you know, in normal times when we can have an IT guy go into their house and set it up and make it really look nice and professional. You do that. But there is there is no reason for the NFL to go back to doing the draft the way that they have till now. Zero reason. What can stay? Well, I the things that I want to stay are I love these sometimes uncomfortable and sometimes like even embarrassing like look-ins on general managers and coaches because there's a lot of coaches like there's a moment where Bill O'Brien didn't know he was on camera and so he's like yelling at someone on a, a train fell through with Detroit he got yeah. really mad and stomped away his dogs like what's wrong and that, and like that's fascinating and in in you know tough luck for him like you know you're on camera so don't act like an idiot. Mm-hmm. But I would love to keep GMs and coaches in their little quarantine Zoom basements and atmospheres. Just I want to see Jerry Jones on his yacht. I want to see Bill Belichick in his jungle-themed den or whatever the hell that thing was. I want to see Mike Zimmer with like nine taxidermy heads above him while they pick their fifteenth player. Like I want to see that stuff. But but teams are going to say, well, if our facilities are open, that's where all of our draft boards are. Like that's where all of our technology is. It's a pain in the ass to get it set up this way. It's just easier for everyone to be in the same war room. And so I don't know how we're ever going to be able to capture GMs and coaches in their habitats. But I, I think if you can keep the player aspect intact, that preserves some of it. But wouldn't you guys, would you guys rather see a war room shot or Mike Zimmer in oh, his this. taxidermy basement? It's not even close. This, you know? like, for sure. Me too. But how do you convince teams to yeah, do it that can't. way? It's almost impossible. I think, I think some of the more... First of all, teams that have a younger head office or front office and who are a little bit more progressive in the way that they think probably see advantages in the way that this was done, and and you'll see that from teams in the future. Some of the more old-school guys, i.e. Mike Zimmer, they're probably going to go back to the way of doing it that they've they've gotten used to doing it. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see some sort of remote element to – in, in front offices to the NFL draft in the future of guys doing it from home or, or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Okay, now that you guys have had a few days to wrap your heads around the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings were chasing the Packers last year. The Packers with new offensive system, like everything, new relationship between LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, and maybe looking to take a step forward this year. And they waste, in my mind, their first round pick on a quarterback that's not going to be ready for two or three years. Like, if you're a Vikings fan, you should be thrilled about this. Yes. Now that you guys have had some time to wrap your heads around what the Packers did, how do you feel about it from a Vikings perspective? They got to be thrilled, right? Absolutely thrilled. Here's the thing that I love, too. This is going to cause a rift, uh, uh, acrimonious relationship. This could end LaFleur and Rodgers, and here's why. When when Aaron fell to, to 24 in 2005, and Ted took him, Ted was new, and Brett was mad at Ted. Now, he shouldn't have been, but he was, right? But if I'm not mistaken, that was going into what became Mike Sherman's last year as head coach. And so, Brett never really blamed Mike. So, if you're mad at the GM, chief executive, who really cares, right? That guy's upstairs. It's really, it can be a bit of a problem, but it's not a major problem. We learned t- today, Jeremy Fowler, our friend from ESPN, tweeted out that the Green Bay Packers were so intent on getting Jordan Love that they called the Minnesota Vikings for a first round trade. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Vikings, they don't deal. I, I went back and looked. In 2008, 
The Vikings and Packers made a third-day draft day deal, which exchanged like fifth and seventh round picks, okay? Mm-hmm. But we're talking about the Green Bay Packers were calling everybody, including the team that they supposedly hate the most or is up there, to try and make a trade to get Jordan Love. That trade, you guys know as well as I do, was not mandated by Mark Murphy. It was not mandated by our guy Goody. It was mandated by Matt LaFleur, who clearly has fallen in love with Jordan Love. No pun intended. But Aaron Rodgers is going to see, because he's a surly, cantankerous type of guy, he's going to see right through this. And he's go- he is basically the guy who has been left by his wife now. <laughs> this is going to cause... I'm serious. This is going to cause a rift, and I don't She's think... not even sneaking around, though. She's no. just like... He left. Hey, me and Bob are going to get yeah. lunch. He left. He just left. brought him into the house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And Aaron... Yeah, you, mind, you, mind if, uh, you mind if Frank lives with us for a while? the most awkward quarantine situation you could possibly <laughs> come up with. think about this, though. Think about this. So, so basically, basically, from day one, Jordan Love is going to become Matty LaFleur's project. And Aaron is going to play one or two more years, but the Packers were 13-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, as far as I'm concerned, the Green Bay Packers, knowingly or not, have dropped a grenade into Lambeau. Good luck with that. It better be knowingly, by the way. But, like, Judd, and I'm not saying anything that you're saying is wrong about how Aaron Rodgers feels about this, but when we talk about the impact that this could have on 2020. No, they didn't get Aaron Rodgers any more weapons to throw the football to, which was hilarious, by the way. 36 wide receivers I drafting. spent a good portion of 36. my weekend on the phone laughing at the Packers You're... to my diehard Packer fan girlfriend. And I had a great time doing it, you guys, all right? And I'll probably do it some more. You drafted a tight end. <laughs> I know. Okay? My team Nobody just, should be laughing. My team is, my team is just end. as laughable, all right? Their 10th tight yeah. end on the roster. I know. I get it. Okay? Let me enjoy what I can enjoy. Adopt the Vikings, Rob. But is anybody else at all a little bit worried about what a what a spiteful Aaron Rodgers might be on the football field in 2020? A guy who is fueled by revenge and people doubting him and going out and proving them wrong that now his own team is doubting him and drafted his eventual replacement? What this guy is going to come out and do to show them that you were wrong for drafting my replacement and I still have a lot more football left in me? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit scared of this. Of but what this, the, the, the fire that this might light under Aaron Rodgers. I, so I, I, it, it's a logical point you're making, but it's not like he hasn't had other forms of motivation the last four or five years and specifically the last couple of years. I don't think he but, has another level to his game beyond putting better pieces around him, Rami. I and they missed their chance to do that. Like if you had two choices, all right, to get Aaron Rodgers to play better next year, we can either I don't know put a star receiver next to him, or yeah. we can piss him off. Here's let's, the problem: as a guy that. as a guy who was in Wisconsin watching Brett Favre in his last few years with the Green Bay Packers, there was no way I thought he would leave and have the best season of his career with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm done doubting the great ones, all right? Nobody thought MJ was going to come back after retiring and win three more championships, three more scoring titles, all the MVPs, all the accolades that now there is a documentary about. Stop doubting the great ones and using reason and logic and say, well, he doesn't have anybody around him. Okay, plenty of quarterbacks have had less around them and put up better years, i.e. Tom Brady at a later stage and age of their careers. 
Don't discount Aaron Rodgers, a spiteful, vengeful Aaron Rodgers, and all the stuff that you pointed out over the last few years that have been done to doubt him or make him want to prove people wrong. None of those, none of those are the slap in the face that his own team going and drafting his replacement is. 36 receivers drafted. You didn't take one. But but here here is the massive flaw. Here is where the Packers have screwed up. They hired LaFleur to smooth things over with Aaron after he had a falling out with McCarthy. And LaFleur has turned out to be a far worse guy to the guy who was supposed to make Aaron happy than McCarthy was. You do not, under any circumstances, one year bring in Matty LaFleur to be, oh, here's your young guy, Aaron, it's going to be great, and then have him turn on the quarterback unless you want to screw things up beyond belief. And look, in three years, this might have worked. But what I'm saying is short-term from a management philosophy, this was right now, just from a people-person type of thing, flat-out stupid. It feels like they're punting on the era. It does. It feels like, like you you don't know how many years of this version of Rogers. This is not the same version of Rogers, by the way, that existed like eight years ago. This is a this is a lesser version of Rogers, but he's still really really good and can still lead a team to to a Super Bowl. And I I just think in the last two or three years of whatever's left of him, why you wouldn't be all in on trying to, especially with your first and second round picks, trying to find pieces to put around him. And in free agency, well, looking for pieces to... And what did LaFleur say? Trust me, I'm your guy. You didn't like Mike. I'll be your guy. Yeah. And then the first thing he does is is puts, you know, one leg in bed with Jordan Love. Yeah. And, Rami, like, I don't disagree with your premise. A, a, a motivated, ticked-off Aaron Rodgers, just like a motivated, ticked-off Brett Favre, who feels slighted, like, that's definitely not something that you'd want to deal with. But if my other choice was... Why don't we just go get one of the best wide receivers in the first round? And oh, I'm not saying I'm Rogers. not saying like, that this was calculated by them to to piss off Aaron Rodgers and have him come out to prove them wrong. I'm just saying a byproduct, a side effect of this sure. that might not be good for Vikings fans or me as a Bears fan is Aaron Rodgers coming out and wanting to prove the Packers wrong for what they did this offseason. He's going to, and and it's going to happen in about 2022 or 23, and it's going to be a major pain for Packers and Bears fans because he is coming. This calls, this calls for some bonus Packer vent. He's coming to Minnesota. Go, Pack, go! And, in the, it, I mean, just listening to you guys the last 20 minutes or so, I, I you guys are shell-shocked. I'm shell-shocked. I don't know what is going on right now. Goody... I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll start the, the, the fire Goody, uh, uh, you know, the, the petition right now if you want to because I don't see where we're going right now, and and and, and I guess I, I'm in a lot of angst, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> go, Pat, go. Amazing. That's uh, hilarious. Regardless, I think all of us can agree that my, it's my, hilarious. My favorite joke of the weekend, this guys, was uh, when the Packers took a guard. And my girlfriend called me and said, they took another guard. And I said, well, somebody's got to protect Jordan Love. hey oh, 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 oh. Hey. Oh. You're on thin, thin ice, dude. After, you, after your Bears took another tight end, you're on very thin ice. <laughs> By the way, how funny is it that the uh, Packers quarterback room now has A-Rod and J-Lo? That is outstanding. That's Everything good. about this is funny, you guys. Everything about this is funny right now. Another reality show. Hopefully it'll be funny in a few years, but it's definitely funny right now. It is. All right, when we come back here, The Last Dance unveiled episodes three and four on ESPN last night. I want a documentary just about Carmen Electra.
We'll talk about Where's that 10-part documentary? Talk about Carmen. We'll talk about sports hate and whether it even exists anymore like it did clearly in this era. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. You think you like football? Brett Favre doesn't just like football. He loves football. All right, here we go. They're going to jump right here. You know they're going to jump. Everybody hold your water. Green right slot. 98 handoff slot on three. Ready? Balls, balls, balls. Balls, balls, balls. Balls. Green 18. Green 18. Ten. Football. Football. We know you're spending more time at home during the coronavirus pandemic, and we're here for you at Score North in multiple ways. The free Score North app on your phone or tablet, scorenorth.com on AM 1500, or just by saying, Alexa, open Score North. How am I going to clean my butt? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. I just practice a lot about the angle of the ball and project to it. You got a Larry Bird, it's going to spin. We got a, a magic and maybe spin. When Michael Shaw over here, I position myself right there. Now I hit the rim, it's boom, uh, click and go back this way. Boom, here, here, click and go that way. Boom, that way. Click here and go back this way. So basically, I just start learning how to put myself in a position to get the ball. That was, it was like a beautiful mind where you just saw like... <laughs> <laughs> All of the different like figures and numbers. They should have done that. They really should have done that. The graphics people on the last dance really should have put all the all the lines and mathematical formulas on the screen while Dennis was talking about figuring this stuff out. Dennis Robin was the central figure of for sure episode three last night of the last dance and even parts of episode four and Phil Jackson's relationship with Dennis Robin. So what was what was your favorite part? We'll start with Rami, lifetime Bulls fan. Grew up in this era. This is this is basically like your entire childhood and everything behind the curtain coming out in these episodes. Like so I said, what's like, your favorite part? Like I said last week, guys, I didn't. There wasn't a lot I learned that was new in this. It was just kind of finding out more about stuff that I knew. I remember Dennis going to Vegas in the middle of the season and Phil giving him a vacation. But to hear about the sit down where he calls Michael Jordan into his office, and Phil Jackson says, uh, Dennis needs a vacation. He needs, to, he needs to go to Vegas and blow off some steam. And MJ's reaction to that is so priceless. And he says, if we let this dude go to Vegas, we ain't getting him back in 48 hours. And sure enough, they did not. And they even showed, Mac, you pointed this out today when we were talking about it on uh, Score North Live, they have a ticker counting all the time that Dennis Rodman is in Vegas while they're showing him partying and drinking and partying and drinking and partying and drinking some more. And it ended up being 80-some hours before MJ has to go to Vegas and get Dennis Rodman himself, has to go knock on his door and barge in the room and scare Carmen Electra out of the bed and behind the couch where she hid behind a blanket because she didn't want to be seen that way by Michael Jordan. That is amazing. That is that is mind blowing. That it, it can't how long would Dennis Rod would Dennis Rodman still be partying in <laughs> Vegas right now if Michael Jordan never goes and gets him? Or he'd, be, well, he'd probably be dead. As well, well, yeah, probably. So, here's the one thing that didn't track about that, that whole thing, too. Carmen tried to say, oh, I went and hid, right? I went and hid in some sheets behind the couch. That's BS. 
Because Jordan flat out said, I won't tell you what I saw. I'm not going to get into specifics. Whatever Jordan saw in that room was a lot more interesting. Oh, I'm sure it was more than just Carmen Electra. Right, exactly. I want to know, were there three people in bed with Dennis? Was there a bunch of... um... Well, I I think the truths kind of come together. So Carmen Electra didn't say that they were the only two in the room. She just said, I didn't want Michael Jordan to see me that way. But he clearly saw other people. By that way, could it have been that, like, I mean, like, Tony Kukoc is in bed? Like, how many people (laughs) were there? I know, that's what I'm saying. I wanted... When Jordan's like, I'm not going to get into that. Tony Kukoc? That's where your mind was? I mean, why else hasn't he been in the first four episodes? He's too ashamed. Brad Lowenhouse was in bed with him. Will Perdue, Bill Weddington, you never know. Jack Haley was his guy. If anybody was in that bed, it was Jack Haley. It was probably Jack Haley. Yeah, Will Purdue. Will Purdue said, "Hey, what's up? What's up, MJ?" It was. It was. Will Purdue was gone by then. Actually, he was part of the trade that brought Dennis Rodman to. It would have been Bill Wennington if you're looking for a big white center. <laughs> well, Dennis could have called him up, right? No, I'm envisioning Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in Horace Grant's rec specs, <laughs> and only the rec specs. How? Okay, so let's get to the key question: How does Carmen Electra? Still look like Carmen Electra. I don't know, man. All these years later. Well, she's not, like I said earlier today, she's not that old. She's like in her mid-40s, I think. Okay, but she you still know, looks she was the like same. like in her early 20s She then. still looks the same, basically. She like there's no good. real change. Yeah, she's looking good. She's probably had some work done. I don't know. What does she even do now? She's 48, by the way. Okay, that's okay. incredible, you guys. It up. I mean, God bless her, but that's incredible. Yeah. It's she, amazing. She... Yeah, she's sold her soul to the devil, or she has some sort of magic elixir or something. Same thing with Horace Grant, man. That guy is in better shape than he ever was when he was playing. Horace Grant wasn't this big muscle-bound dude when he was playing. He was kind of a normal-looking guy. He never really he didn't look all that impressive physically when you saw Horace Grant in a basketball jersey. Now he's a bodybuilder. What happened to Horace Grant while we're talking about people who aged great? Went to the gym. Okay, here's, here's my Robin question for you guys. In 1998, where did Robin rank? I have to close in, this Carmen Electra where, tab. All right. Where did Robin rank in the pecking order? <laughs> HR is coming for you, Rami. <laughs> God. Which what? tab was it? <laughs> I just, I just, I just Googled her to find uh-huh. out to find yep. her age when Maggie yep. was talking about her age, and there were pictures there, and it's closed. Let's move it along. It's, her, li- it's her life's work on Google Images. Exactly. Right there. Okay. Yeah. I have a two-part question, but you need to answer part one first. Mm-hmm. In 1998, where did Dennis Rodman rank in the pecking order of famous NBA stars? Jordan was number one. Was Rodman number two? Was in, he the second famous NBA of, player in 1998? Just as as far as, as pop culture fame. Yep. He was up there. Yeah. Is, is it fair to say he's one of the three to five most? In 1998, he was probably three or something. Charles Barkley was still around, right? Boy, he was just wrapping up his career and, in the late and 90s. Kobe, no, he wasn't because Scotty went to Houston to play with Hakeem and Charles Barkley in after 97. He left Chicago. Oh, you're right. 99? Yeah. Okay. But let's say it, let's say it went uh, Jordan, Barkley, take your pick I mean, after it's that. It's like Rodman is in the five, right? But Dennis was, was um, as far as pop culture goes, everything he did made news. Well, and, and it was that, crazy. And that's my next question. So, okay? You're not wrong. The modern day equivalent. Like, who are the... Te- LeBron is number one on that list. So let's say LeBron is the Jordan. There's not really like a Robin bad boy equivalent. I going to say, yeah. But take, take like one of the top five most recognizable NBA stars. In, if, if Giannis was like a bad boy, right? Or whatever. 
What would that like? What's the modern day equivalent to one of the top five most visible, popular NBA players in the middle of a season in which you're going for your third straight championship? Says, peace out. I'm taking my also top three most recognizable supermodel girlfriend, and I'm going on a seven day bender in Las Vegas in the middle of January. Like, what can, can we even wrap our minds around what that would be in today's media? So yeah, they call it load management. <laughs> Not well. That's what it would be in today's media. And you just wouldn't get caught, like you'd no, be no, you would, like, you would be caught. Yeah, he was literally clubbing on like a key, Tuesday night. But but it, it was key with Dennis because he did not care at I, all. I can tell you exactly how this would play out in modern times. It's like if Jimmy Butler went to Vegas yeah. for, but he would care that people days. were following him. Dennis didn't. They would try and hide it. Well, maybe anybody but Phil Jackson, because Phil is a pretty open, honest, transparent dude about the way he conducted business. But let's say any other NBA coach, if this happened in the modern era. They would say it's load management. We're just giving him a couple of days off, maybe make up some injury. He's got a sore knee. And Dennis Rodman would go to Vegas, and then people with their phones would take pictures of Dennis Rodman in Vegas and start tweeting it out. And then the sto- then it would be a story, and the Chicago Bulls would have to explain what Dennis Rodman is doing in Vegas at that point. That's that's exactly how it would play out in the social media era. Yeah. like I mean, Johnny Manziel did this type of stuff, but wasn't nearly as good or... High, I mean, Johnny Manziel was pretty high profile for a while, but that was just pretty much the end of it for Manziel because right. he that was part, a terrible yeah. quarterback. Yep. You know, Dennis Rodman, his next game back, I just found the game log. I think that next game back 15 was... 15 rebounds? It was, uh, it was 14 rebounds. He didn't <laughs> score a point. It was 14 rebounds in 34 minutes, and that was the game where they blew the lead against Utah. They had a lead against Utah, about, like a 20-point lead. What about when he comes back to practice... And they're running what they call, and I'm pretty sure this is a politically incorrect, slightly racist term, but it's what they use, the Indian race at practice, where they would have the whole team run laps around the court, and when Phil Jackson blew a whistle, the guy at the back had to run to the front and set the pace for the pack, and Michael had told everybody, look, we didn't go to Vegas, I didn't get a vacation, we're jogging this thing. If you get to the front, slow it down to a slow jog, like borderline walk, and then it comes Dennis Rodman's time to lead the pack, and he just takes off sprint, and nobody can even keep up with him after he's been in Vegas partying for four straight days with Carmen Electra. God, it's amazing. Amazing. Dude, the, the, the other thing that I didn't, and maybe Rami, maybe this was more like widely known stuff in Chicago, but I think clearing up what got Doug Collins fired. I was just going to say, I, had, I did not know this and then until Doug, last night. Doug also really refusing the chance to elaborate on the documentary when asked, like, hey, you know, what kind of went down with Phil? But and the said, outside thing had always been that Michael got Doug fired. Yes. And clearly, from what we learned last night, it was not Jordan. In fact, Jordan liked him, and it was Jerry who decided to pull the plug on Doug because because Tex was such good friends with Kraus and and that the triangle doesn't get instituted without those changes, which I had no clue about, Rami. Yeah, uh, yeah I always knew that Doug was one of Michael's guys. I, I knew that he wasn't the reason that he was out, but I didn't know about some of the other behind-the-scenes goings-on that led to all that, including Jerry Krause, to his credit, from a very early stage, very early age, Kind of knowing Phil, there was something there in Phil Jackson. Wanted him on his staff, wanted him to eventually be the head coach. Again, a lot of this stuff doesn't put Jerry Krause in the best light, but one thing that is undoubtable when you watch this, when it comes to Jerry Krause, is the man knew basketball. He knew how to scout talent. He knew how to structure an organization and put together a roster and find the right coach for that roster. You got to give him credit for that. 
Yeah, that's uh, the the whole Phil Jackson thing is fascinating to me in that like so many people just sort of write him off as overrated because well I mean like of course if you had Kobe and Michael and Pippen and Shaq and yeah like you're gonna win you're gonna almost like Judd Zolgad could roll the ball out and Shaq and Kobe could figure out a way to win a championship in 2000 but to win nine and to basically win every single year that you have the right horses is pretty amazing, and I hope we get more of a glimpse into his team-building process. Like, his ability to get volatile, egotistical personalities to all play at their peak within a system that allows everyone to thrive and to treat people differently based on what they need and get everyone to be okay with that is right. is pretty unique. So Kraus was had zero people skills. It's quite clear, right? Yes. He had zero Dude, but that scene of him dancing on the plane but too, yet, like, oh my but god. But yet the weird thing is that was amazing. He could identify people to coach his guys who had people skills. Yeah. And uh, Kraus actually other than the dancing scene which was very funny, Rami's right. Kraus in parts 1 and 2 looked terrible. Last night, he almost escaped completely until the end of part four, at which point they brought the whole thing back and he looks like a complete bleep. But it's amazing that Jerry Krause, who could build a team, who definitely had good personnel ideas and could even identify people uh, who could coach those guys, had the ability to see people who had skills to work with guys like Pippen and Jordan and go down that whole line. But to his dying day, clearly... He had no ability himself to work with people. Yeah, it's really in, yeah. an intriguing story. It would about, be God, it would dance man, though. It's, man could dance. It's too bad. Oh, the dancing was great. The fat guys dancing, never not funny. <laughs> <laughs> but then Pippin just clowns him. He's like, go go up to the <laughs> sit front, down, Jerry. Jerry, yeah. Jerry, sit down, moron. All right. So sports hate. Judd brought this up in our email thread. I'm passionate about this. And it is amazing just how much teams hated each other in that era. And now everyone goes on private jets together and takes trips to the Hamptons. And like every three years, Kevin Durant goes and plays somewhere else. Like you don't get the built in Pistons, nope. Celtics, Pistons, Bulls hatred anymore. Does that exist in any form in today's sports? So here's the, here's the good and bad. Okay. The good is that if you go back and watch those Pistons, Bulls games, Michael Jordan's being abused. Like it's hockey. It's not, it's not aesthetically pleasing. I don't think. And, you know, we could have conversations now about the three-point shot and is it used too much. But the game itself, I think, is is fun to watch, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not advocating that the games, the way that they were played by those Pistons teams, were more fun. But what I miss is the fact that Michael Jordan to this day hates Isaiah Thomas. He hates the Pistons. And that hate is legit. And I don't think, guys, that unless I'm missing something here, I don't think there's any pro sport that we follow on a regular basis in 2020 that gets anywhere close to the the animosity and the pure hatred. And what made that fun to me is that's how the torch goes, though, right? The Pistons hate the Celtics. The Celtics are the big bad bully. So the Pistons are like, bleep this, and it takes them a while, and then they get past that hump, and the Pistons finally beat Boston. Then the Bulls come along, and the same process repeats itself at that time. And watching the the animosity that builds during that time and how that unfolds was so much fun. Yes. So I'm not trying to say that the games were better because there's a lot of thing about a lot of things about those games that weren't. But man, watching how that torch gets passed down to not shaking hands it was is a, so much fun. It was a grind in that era. Think about like how 
how often or not often the torch got passed, right? Like it kind of went back and forth between Boston and the Lakers. And then the Pistons got good in about 1985, 86, and it took them two or three shots at it to grab the torch. And the Bulls got good in like 86, and it took them like five years of trying to grab the torch. Mm -hmm. And then the Bulls just had the torch until they gave it to the Rockets while Michael Jordan played baseball. Like, not that many teams get the torch. Right. And to watch the way that the Bulls had to grind for five years and get to a game seven and then get beat. And by the way, the resentment Michael Jordan harbors for Scottie Pippen letting migraines affect him in that game seven. Dude, you can tell that still bothers him. You can tell that he wouldn't come out and say it last night because he knew how that would make him look. But you can tell (laughs) how much that still bothers him. And I've, I've run into that, too. If you've never had a migraine... Don't don't question somebody with a migraine. Just don't. You don't you don't know it until you've been there. And I'm if Scotty was sitting out that game with a migraine, didn't the same thing happen with Percy Harvin here in Minnesota? Is is he the guy that I was thinking of? A few of times, yes. That struggled well, with migraines and he had teammates kind of looking at him with the yep. side eye because athletes are so conditioned to a play through anything and b if you can't see the injury, if it's not something that's that will show up on an MRI or an x-ray, or a blood test, or you're not coughing or sneezing, your brain's out. If it's not something I can see, then you must be faking it, and you can get out there and play. And I'm I'm just telling you, if if somebody tells you they have a migraine, let them have their migraine. Leave them, leave them have their peace. Don't question them. Don't doubt them. Don't make them feel like they have to try and play or work through it, because that's the worst thing you can do to that person in that moment. <laughs> I'm sure people have questioned how real or how serious or how bad my migraines are when I've missed work in the past and whether or not I could be here. And I'm telling you, if you've never had it, just shut up. Just but, shut up but, about your migraine. But Jordan crazy. was asked, uh, the, 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 it was either the director, Jason Hare, or somebody off camera, one of the producers said, that's the Scotty, like, knew exactly what he was asking. That's the Scotty Pippen uh, migraine game, right? And Jordan goes, Jordan with this smile, like, yep. Yep, yep. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. um, do you guys find Michael Jordan to be more or less likable after now seeing four episodes and seeing the way that he interacts as a, you know, telling the story? now and some of the footage that we're seeing of him behind the scenes i haven't been surprised by most of the stuff that i've seen behind the scenes he's i mean i've always known that there was there was that side to michael and and while it might be hard to deal with if you're somebody who's around him and working with him it's all even the migraine stuff even not being able to accept that 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 kind of that kind of just blinders on mentality that there's nothing but moving forward and winning and grinding and moving forward and winning and grinding no matter what. It's what made him great, and it's also what made him kind of hard to be around at times. And I I kind of already knew this all about Michael Jordan. Like I said, it's it's a more in-depth look so far. Maybe we will learn new things, but to me it's just a more in-depth look at kind of what I already knew about MJ and those Bulls teams. I knew that this dark side was there, and it's it's what made him great on some level. Yeah. I like him more because of the fact that he agreed to do this and open up, and I love to see now that he has a, a perspective on life and his career, I love to see the flaws. Like, the flaws are clearly there as a person, but it's great. Yes. And... I also love the fact that the great ones in sports, and I don't know how they do it, but they can, have an ability to recall every single detail. 
it's so interesting. Like all all that the to your point, Phil, that the director has to say is like one name about one game and he's off. Mm-hmm. And it's so great. But his whole thing about all of the people that doubted them going into the uh, Cavs series, and he hit the shot, um, and his whole thing about go home, you bleepers. Ron y'all. Harper's quote. And Ron Harper was great. So good. But, but Jordan's whole thing about you, go home, you, you can stay out, but you can't stay here, so, was fantastic. What series was it where he walked up to the three Chicago beat writers he walked up to each one of them individually. It was and a said, Pistons series, right? Was it where they beat the Pistons for the first time? Or was it when they went no, to a game Cavs seven? One. Cavs? Yeah, it was the Cavs. We it was took, the Cavs one. We okay. took care of you. We, we took, took care of you. Oh, and yeah, we're going to take care of you to today. Sam Smith yeah. tonight. <laughs> but the competitive, I just think it's so great. God. Yeah, I think more. I mean, I grew up and he was my favorite basketball player. And I had family that lived in the Chicago area. And so, like, I just became a Chicago Cubs and Bulls fan. And. So as much as I already put Jordan on a pedestal and love Jordan and Jordan in a lot of ways defined like my if you were born in the early to mid 80s like you grew up on Jordan and I think more of him watching this documentary because I can't help but compare him to some of the modern day like I I don't want to do the LeBron thing but like if LeBron James had LeBron James has all the physical tools and a little bit of the FU mentality if he had Michael Jordan's competitive streak, LeBron James would have nine championships right now. I firmly believe that. And it's just like, it's. I have such an appreciation now watching this back for how tenacious Michael Jordan and is. And how, how much more appreciation do both of, of you guys have based on this as well? When you go back and watch the clips from those series, playoff uh, series in that time, and those games, and realize like the Pistons' philosophy was: we are going to physically beat you to that a was, pulp. And you know, Judd, all these years, I've never had a problem with them walking off without without shaking hands with the Bulls. I'm surprised at the thing that people are talking about today and are, are questioning whether it was right or not is the handshaking and not the assault that took place right on that basketball court. But that's the night thing now. in and night out, you, man. You can't you can't even come close to doing that that now. And if, if a team if a team went into a playoff series against LeBron right now and said we are going to beat him to a pulp, everyone would be suspended by game 3. Mm-hmm. So I think that there has to be an appreciation too. This guy was a superstar, and the officials would look the other way when he got hit. And I'm not even being—I don't think I'm being an MJ or a Bulls apologist in saying this. I just don't—that's not basketball. That's not what I turn on the NBA for—is to see guys just throwing elbows or 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 hacking at somebody's head and neck area. And I don't mind intentional fouls are part of the game. We understand that. Make it a basketball move, though, man. Don't don't just throw a shoulder into a guy or elbow a guy because he's that much better than you and you can't stop him from getting to the hoop and getting off the ground. At least make it look like you're going for the basketball. That is not basketball. And the people who long for those days when that was the sport of basketball, you're you're whacked out, man. You got some problems. <laughs> if I want to see guys beat each other up and bash each other's brains in, I have outlets for that. It's the NFL and the <laughs> UFC. That's where I go for that. For, in basketball, I want grace and athleticism and, and the beauty of the game. And not to say that it couldn't be a little bit more physical. They couldn't let guys play a little bit more defense hands-on than than they did in the past in today's modern NBA. But man, I don't want it to ever be what bad boys basketball was. That's just not what I turn on the sport of basketball for to watch. 651-646-8255. Larry and Woodbury. What's up, buddy? How are we doing, boys? What do you think of the documentary so far? 
awesome. Love it. And I'm not a big basketball guy. However, I think Jerry Krause is kind of maybe getting a little bit of a bum deal here because I the cliche goes, any great drama, you got to have heroes and villains, right? Yeah. So I think he's, he's kind of been played out to that part. And uh, I can tell you, I happened to be in Vegas during a stretch where Rodman was also there. And I saw firsthand the stuff that they were talking about absolutely was real. <laughs> like uh, the clip that they showed of him up on stage with the band. I happen to be in a place where that was happening one night. Uh, he was buying shots for the whole bar. It was fantastic. Although I saw way more of Rodman than I needed to, and I'll, I'll just let you <laughs> let you uh, fill that in. But uh, Judd, I think the the bad. Hey, Judd, you're with me on this one. Who are the bad boys of? Well, the bad boys were the NBA's answer to the Broad Street bullies. Absolutely, right? same so thing. Was, yep. They 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 changed the rules. It, they had a two-title shelf mm-hmm. life. Just absolutely uh, complete parallels there. And last thing I got out of the documentary so far, who's still got the fastball? Carmen Electra. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. <laughs> yeah, fastball, a changeup, a curveball, whatever she wants. She's Nolan Ryan, man. Did you guys ever hear the story about how uh, Rodman and Carmen Electra's short-lived marriage came to an end? I don't remember. So I'm pretty sure this also occurred in Vegas. Dennis Rodman was, uh, you guys will be shocked to hear this, not a faithful husband, you guys. I know, I know. Pick your jaws up off the ground. Mm. He was not a faithful husband. Well, now I'm disappointed. So bad. Carmen Electra uh, somehow got into a room that Dennis Rodman was staying in, and Dennis Rodman had, I believe it was two women in the bed with him. I know it was more than one. Yeah. So let's just say multiple women in the bed with him, and she starts losing her mind, and he tries convincing her that he doesn't know how they got there. They fell out of the ceiling and were <laughs> just ended up. We're just here. I mean, so that's I what, can't turn it off. But that's what Jordan, that's what Jordan saw. There's no question. That's what Jordan walked He literally on. said they fell out of the ceiling. <laughs> just like, there's no off button here. I don't know. Okay, for the for the people that say like, well, I mean, why you're with Carmen Electra? Why would you cheat on Carmen Electra? My God, like she's the most gorgeous woman in the world in 1998. Because when you can get Carmen Electra, it means you can get literally anyone. And Dennis Rodman is Chris Rock once said, <laughs> and genius, more genius words have ever been spoken. Every man in this is well, not every man. Most men are as faithful as their options. Royce loves that line too. <laughs> Royce's t- talked about that line from Chris Rock. Dennis Rodman in 1998 had a lot of, lot Lots of options. Have you guys ever read his autobiography, Bad As I Want to Be? I think I from did. From around that same period. Forever not. ago. Dude, it is. I, I've got, I think who I have it in my it office. I can't remember who the... I mean, it's, it's by Dennis Rodman. Right. But, but I mean, obviously there was, was a ghostwriter. Who was the patient writer. person that sat wrote it with him? So there are two chapters. I mean, the whole thing is unbelievable. And it... And it and it was written like 20 years ago. But the first chapter is all about him sitting in his truck with that rifle about to kill himself. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, how, it's, it's how the episode three starts last night. And then there's a chapter somewhere in the middle where it's just a full-on in-depth account of him getting it on with Madonna. Like full details, everything you could ever imagine, like everything you would watch at two in the morning on Cinemax. Like, really? Like <laughs> written out. Do you still have the book? I do. Yeah. Can I borrow it? Sure. Check it out. You don't want that book back. <laughs> no, you can have it. I should be well versed in this type of stuff. <laughs> we can go. 
Donaldson here with the Score North download. Time is running short for some cash relief with Score North listening rewards for the month of April. Thanks to our awesome partners, Score North is giving you the chance at $25 to $200 in cash just for listening to us and having the Score North app. For your chance at free cash, download the Score North app and enter through listening rewards on scorenorth.com and that free Score North mobile app. We have all of the post Vikings draft coverage that you'll be looking for as Matthew Collar has a profile on KJ Osborne as well as his five most intriguing Vikings draft picks of day three. Judd Zolgad has the report, has his reaction to the report that the Packers tried to make a first round trade with the Vikings and then what is facing the Vikings going forward, including how they handle Dalvin Cook. That's all over that's all over at scorenorth.com and on the Scorenorth mobile app. And it's all for free for you right now. That's your Score North download. Now back to Mac and Jonathan Rami. Okay. Oh my gosh. Did you guys see Carmen Electra? Did some kind of an interview with who is this? I want I want to credit this correctly. I'm going to read you the most unbelievable quote from Carmen Electra here in a second, but I want to credit it. It's from G. E. Brack, Greg Braxton, L. A. Times, caught up with Carmen Electra. Yeah, at some point. This is a quote from Carmen Electra. One day, when the Bulls had an off day from practicing, Dennis said he had a surprise for me. He blindfolds me, and we get on his motorcycle. When he finally takes my blindfold off, we're standing at the Bulls practice facility, center court. It was crazy, like two kids in a candy store. We were eating popsicles from the fridge and pretty much having, you know what, all over the place in the practice facility. In the physical therapy room, in the weight room, obviously on the court as well. Oh, that's like when Derek Lowe won the World Series with the Red Sox. What? You didn't know that story? No. no. What? Uh, after the Red Sox won the World Series, when Derek Lowe, I believe the pitcher, was still playing for them. So it's it, like 07? He, yeah. Somewhere in there? Um, he went out and met somebody, I think, and brought him back to Fenway Park and on the mound. Wow. That's the legend. <laughs> right. Did not know that. Yeah, I've read it somewhere. There's got to be security footage, probably, right? I would think. Like, are there no security guards? Just like. It might have been, well, but there's probably only like. Um, um, auxiliary lights on by that point because th- this was probably at like two in the morning. Okay, so the pitching mount's probably Does he not. Just have keys to Fenway Park. How do you get into Fenway Park? Fen- at two in the morning or Fenway Park's really old, and I'm will- I'm willing to bet if you uh, play for the Red Sox, it's not hard to get in. Probably go right past security. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, didn't mean to get away from the point. Interesting. No, I mean, boy, I mean Derek Lowe. Uh, good for that guy. But I mean that's Sinker a pitcher's baller. mound. That's a pitcher's mound. This is a basketball court. I would think that a pitcher's mound might not look have any. Hmm. Anyway, did you say right. sinker baller? I did. All right. Or were you surprised by that, Ronnie? <laughs> Just want to make sure. Would have expected nothing less. And poor Jonathan again covering his face. Listen, it's drops for you, baby. I want a mock. Mock. I want you. Two thousand twenty-one NFL mock draft from FoxSports.com. Boys, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm just gonna go through that. I haven't I haven't really scrolled through beyond the first pick, so this is all just we're all opening this box of candy for the first time. And with the first pick, Jacksonville takes whom? Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I've gotten everyone's got Jacksonville. I've gotten used one. to this one. They've got Miami Dolphins number two taking an edge rusher from Miami named Gregory Rousseau. Okay. 
I'm going to skip past some of the boring ones here. Uh, oh, with Chicago Bears drafting fourth overall, which is of note. Oh, see you later, oh. Matt Nagy. Okay. And Ryan Pace. Who taken? So you've got a new GM and coach. Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. Mm. How would you feel about that? I don't know anything about him. Well, you've watched him play before. Sure. A little bit here and there. I don't know enough to watch to know how he'll play at the NFL level. All right. I'm really I'm all in on the lose for Lawrence bandwagon when it comes to my Chicago. Well, you, you, you got close. Be. You got close there. Looks like you finished runner up. That'd be disappointing. The next quarterback off the board here goes to the Las Vegas Raiders at number seven. Jamie Newman, quarterback from Georgia. Newman. All right. Let's keep scrolling here. Oh, another quarterback off the board. Ninth to Washington. Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Wait, so they've now they've gave up on Dwayne Haskins after 2020 instead of giving up on him after yeah. 2019. Okay, and we have a fifth quarterback off Whoa! the board in the top wow. ten. It's Tanner, big quarterback Tanner draft. Morgan, shocking! It Huge quarterback draft. Brock Purdy, quarterback from Iowa State. How do you guys feel about five quarterbacks in the top ten? Wait, no, no offense to our guy Sage Rosenfels, but did you just say they have an Iowa State quarterback going in the top ten? Yes. Okay, I don't like this mock draft. <laughs> no offense, but. Really? Cyclones? Well, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Number 14 to the Minnesota Vikings. Whoa! Oh, wow. Wow. I was hoping hoping I'd be scrolling a little bit further down, but if this is the case, the Vikings will not be making the playoffs. Mike Zimmer probably is not the coach anymore if this happens, right? They've got the Vikings taking left tackle Samuel Cosme from Texas. Yeah. Wow. Are we predicting Ezra Cleveland stays a guard or doesn't work out? The, or? the write-up doesn't go that far. <laughs> doesn't go that in-depth. I'm All due respect to Fox Sports, but um, I'm not sure they're hitting on all cylinders with their 2021. Honestly, though, if your editor said, all right, hey, great job these last couple months with all this draft coverage, one more thing. Yeah, give me a mock. It's the ultimate mail-in mock, right? But then I'm off for months. Ooh, this is a good one. Number 24 to the Cardinals. Wide receiver, Gophers, Rashad Bateman. See, I think that's late. I think he's going higher than that. Another quarterback from Mississippi State going 26. And I'm trying to find if Tanner Morgan's a first-round pick Is that here. five? Is that five quarterbacks? Six. Oh, my Six quarterbacks. Goodness. No Tanner Morgan sightings in the first round. I want a mock! Mock! I want to mock! mock. Did Mel do one? Think Mel did. Usually McShay does his yeah, day after, and McShay is recovering from coronavirus. By the way, the Gophers, this is, the Gophers had five draft picks for the first time in school history, mm-hmm. including a first round pick. I think Tyler Johnson is going to be a good receiver in Tampa Bay. But what does it say about the Gophers program now that not only did they have five first round picks, but we're looking at probably another for, or five picks, a first rounder, first, uh, or oh, I'm sorry, second rounder, uh, second rounder. next year a first rounder likely in Rashad Bateman, yeah. and then we'll see if Tanner Morgan. If his stock rises, but this is the most draft excitement we've seen around Gophers football in my lifetime. Really, like there's, I don't think there's been anything. Maybe like Marion Barber, Tyler Johnson Morris could Maroney. be a steal too. Yes, I like that. Kid. He reminds me a little of Eric Decker in that. Yeah, probably didn't get the national attention that he would. Not the most athletic, jump out at you I mean, guy. Yeah, no. But is reliable yep. and will be just a good number two. Guess what he can receiver. do? He can run a route. And if you can mm-hmm. do that, you've got a far better chance than just being an athlete that can run yes. a 40 yard dash really well. No. And, and Rashad Bateman can run a route and he can run by you down the sidelines. There's a case to be made. I'm not saying that the best because the Vikings probably have the best. There's a case to be made that Rashad Bateman is the most talented receiver in the state. 
You mean like, like period? I'm saying pure talent. I'm saying Thielen over Justin Jefferson. Jefferson, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to see. But Rashad Bateman makes plays and catches that are really, really out Wait, of the world. This can't be real. What's up? This cannot be real. What'd you do? I want to mock! Mock! I want to mock! mock. What happened? I yeah. Want to from our friend You Vike That on Twitter. Yeah. We have another mock draft from WalterFootball.com, boys. Wally Football. Not 2021. Shut up. 2023. Shut, what? What? 2023. They just skipped right past 2021 and 2022? Hold on. How long? <laughs> Hold on. What? I've got it right here. Let's get Pat on the line. Oh, yeah, they got all the mocks. Hit the music. Pat, <laughs> we've got a 2023 mock draft. Here we go, boys. Fire it up. <laughs> This is satire. This guy's having fun with all of us. This is from WalterFootball.com, man. How long is Washington going to be bad for? <laughs> yeah, Washington's drafting number one overall here. And they take Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. Wow. I think he's looked pretty good so far. The, the write-up says Stroud will spend the 2020 season as an understudy to Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this real? Keep reading. This is amazing. The site's taking forever to load here, by the way. Uh, they got another. They they're gotta, still doing it. They're doing this on the fly right now as we speak. I want to find the Vikings pick. They got a, a Clemson quarterback going number two overall. I want to see how good they think. The, oh, they got the Patriots drafting 13th, which means they're a non playoff team in 2023. Mm. Probably Bill Belichick is out by then. When they're literally making me click to get to pick 17 through 32 wow. another page. Unbelievable. And you're falling for it, huh? The, this is hustle right here, okay? <laughs> People can learn from WalterFootball.com. All right, while well, this loads. <laughs> this, is, this is like one of those things when you log on to a website and said, you won't believe what Tiger Woods' ex-wife looks like yeah. now. <laughs> 28 clicks later, you still haven't seen it. Yeah, you know what? There's nothing more frustrating than that because I always click on those links. It's the worst. And, you know, I you know I stalked her when she was out here for the uh, uh, you know what Tiger the when Yank beat him, and, uh, and then I want to see how she's looking now. So anyway, because I you know I was a I was full figure then, but I still followed her up the hill in Hazeltine. So it's just a just because she was, uh, just just to see what she was up to, you know. So, Is that why? Uh, what determination you showed? Healed it, did. Dedication. Almost had a heart attack, but I was moving. Research and development, Pat. Yeah, go Luckily, ahead. she had Tiger's short little mother with her. I was like, I never get that. That's for sure. So she had short legs, so Tiger's little mother. So anyway, mm, I but, found it. Uh, I found it. By the way, I found it. Okay. Okay, where? All right. who, who the bikes the bikes are drafted late, so maybe he's excited about the. He's got the Vikings in 2023. WalterFootball.com has the Vikings drafting 27th. Oh, boy, another heartbreak. And taking a quarterback from Boise State named Hank Bachmeyer. Kirk Cousins will be 35 years old following the 2023 draft. (laughs) This guy should be institutionalized. Stop giving him this uh, pub, man. This guy belongs in a hospital. Bachmeyer started for Boise State as a true freshman and made a splash in his first game, throwing for 407 yards. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that actually happened or if he's just making that up. But anyways. <laughs> I want to mock. Mock! I want to mock.
I'm Googling <laughs> Hank Bachmeyer. We don't know where Walter's from, do we? No, no. Parts oh. unknown. Parts unknown. Randy is reputable compared to this guy, for God's sakes. What the hell? This is unbelievable. How did Randy do, by the way? Randy nailed one of the Vikings' first-round picks, Justin Jefferson. Second okay. time in three years and he's still nailed apologized. a first-round pick. Today. Oh, Twitter. Yes. Do better? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Vows improvement, way, Patrick. Everybody out there kissing Rick Spielman's arse. Uh, last I looked, Leaf is still the left tackle and Alfline still the left guard. You got 15 draft choices. I would a hell of a lot rather given up three of those for Trent Williams. And don't tell me Trent Williams didn't want to play here. The only reason he wasn't going to play here is you didn't want to pay him. That's why. Could be. You think? Yeah. I think he might have said, yeah, you know, I used to play with that quarterback in Minnesota, and uh, I like San Francisco more. Uh, Well, but uh, I I still think if you pay him, it's like Randy Moss. Randy Moss hated here when he came back the second time. Yeah, that's because he found out he wasn't going to get paid. And uh, that's the uh, same, same thing. When you pay this guy, you would have had him as your left tackle. But don't, I think uh, Rick's played a long game. I think he's betting on the pandemic. <laughs> like wiping out the season? That's in the scouting report? Yes. yes. All right. I've seen that theory out there. Passing out the first to propose that theory. I've seen it. But I, there's... Think that he's, uh, I think he's uh, worried. A, he knows he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Not, there's no way they're going to gas him during a pandemic. Well, uh, you know, this this whole thing that's going on here is, uh, you know, it's made jobs secure for a lot of guys. I think Spielman's back for three, four years on a on an extension, even if Zimmer's not. I don't think those. There's a lot of feeling those two guys are joined on the hip, at the hip. I don't believe that. I don't believe it in in the least. So, I think Spielman's back, and I'm not sure about Zim. But uh, if obviously if there's no season, Zim's back. What happens if there's no season, by the way? In terms of... What happens? Do all the contracts just kick in into the next year, or what, what's going on? What, I don't think we know on? in the we NFL yet. Yeah, we, in baseball, they just yeah. they just roll into the next... I mean, you just... But they could try, and, t- they could try and toll them. Mm-hmm. So who well, knows? Yeah, yeah, the NFL gets away with murder. Exactly. Baseball, like, all these guys are free agents that would have been free agents. The Twins are what? Five, six guys that can just walk after this year, no matter if they play or not, right? Yes, and they all correct. get an added year of service time too. So correct, it's uh, a different kind of deal. Pat, we know that you're not glued to the uh, Last Dance documentary, but but yeah, I'm not glued to uh, just like I'm not glued to exercise. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> To, com- yes. to compare this amazing documentary <laughs> to a five-mile treadmill run. I turned it on, five minutes. Jordan was in the middle of one of his poor-ass interviews, and he never says anything, and uh, I turned it off. Okay, so He's actually pretty good. i got to give him credit. He's, but here's my question to you. Okay, Dennis Rodman, in the middle of the 1998 season, as one of the three most recognizable basketball players in the world at that time, Goes to Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan and says, "I need a vacation." They they allow him to go. They allow him to go to Las Vegas for forty eight hours. It winds up being like five or six days in Las Vegas on a bender in the middle of the season. He misses yeah. two games. What is the two thousand twenty equivalent to Dennis Rodman going on a bender in Las Vegas during the middle of a three peat season? I don't think there is one. Is there Rodman going to North Korea? When his buddy Kim Jong Un dies and marrying the sister 
and becoming the uh, first man of North Korea married to uh, Kim Jong-un's sister. That's who, by the way, even though she's uh, supposed to be a psychopathic uh, woman, is pretty good looking. <laughs> That's part 11 of the last dance. Pat. <laughs> Huh? That's part eleven of the last dance when Rodman goes to North Korea and becomes, <laughs> when, when they becomes catch up the with great them. leader. Yes, yeah. him and the him and the lady and the, and the, and the sister and uh, Donald out for dinner. It'd be great. Um, Donald, <laughs> I was, I, I, we haven't heard much from Rodman. Uh, has he got any comments on what's going on here? I have not heard anything. I, from I mean, him, in, but... the, in the in the in the is is, is yeah, oh, he's interviewed in yep. it. Yeah, he's not talking about current events. Oh, I know, though. but today, but I mean, today he's talking about. Oh, today, I've seen him. These are not old interviews. No, by the way, the neighbor new. dog is the major neighbor dog has started to bark. Yeah, you know, I think that dog might eat a little poison hamburger here one of these days. <laughs> oh, gee, Pat! Good God, man! <laughs> hey, you like you like dogs? Oh, my I God. do, but not my dog did not bark. It did not bark. This dog never stops barking. So <laughs> that's how anyway, they talk. But I think it's a terrier, and they're they're pains in the ass. Never get a terrier. Pandemic no, causes Royce to kill that. dog. Local <laughs> Twin City sports columnist <laughs> incarcerated after being accused of killing dog. I talk to him. In fact, when I get out of the car and he hasn't come over to bark at me, I say, "Where are you?" And here he comes. <laughs> 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 I know you're coming. Where are you? Yeah. But anyway, anyway. Uh, I, I can't give you an equivalent of that. That's for sure. It would be it would be fun to to see one playing out. Maybe Johnny Manziel. But what did you think of the NFLs? You, you you've got to soak in. I'm I'm assuming all seven rounds of the NFL draft. I, uh, uh, what did you think of the Zoom close, draft? I followed it closely, uh, but not a lot of you know more on social media, Twitter, etc. And uh, but yeah the. The stuff I watch, I like better because you don't have, you know, everybody going up there to kiss Roger and stuff, uh, you know, and you just, the the conversation between the uh, draft choices is better because you don't have all the other nonsense going on. I, I like that. Uh, I, I kind of like it. I don't know. And that huge ratings, of course, the fact there's nothing else to do. But I, I don't think the people had any problem without the, except for the idiot Jets fans uh, screaming. I mean, there was nothing missing, and I thought it was good. I miss and, those days, uh, the Jets fans. They were great. But, but they started it too late. My God, what time did they end on uh, on uh, on Thursday night? It had to be after midnight in the East, right? It was like 10.45 here, right, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, Around then, midnight. Yeah. Friday was worse. Friday was yeah, but but Rick Rick made that late trade to get the whole uh, Saints draft class, which was the best part. <laughs> he got the rest of the Saints draft class from Saturday in that trade with the third round pick. I, I just did a video. Six of the choices are after two o three. In other words, they're undrafted free agents. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's all a bunch of crap. But he loves to pat himself on the back. I got fifteen draft choices. Uh, okay, and uh, you know, twelve of them will make the team if there's a season because you'll have some of them make the team just because you drafted them. But uh, it's uh, once you get past, once you get into the two hundreds, you're throwing darts, and I, I would rather any day 
take my shots with real big time players and and end up with five draft choices instead of fifteen. And that I'm a big. The I'm writers big, agree with you too, Patrick. Uh, I'm a big believer in difference makers, even in football. You could give me all fifteen of them, and then your five best players, and I take Pat Mahomes. There he is, folks. Patrick Gracie, draft well, analysis. Give me Dog lover. Players. Dog lover. Twenty players. Dog lover. Pat Gracie. And now. Is there any way I could email Walter to argue with him? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just Walter at WalterFootball.com. Check it out. All right, see, see you, Walter. Right, uh, sorry. Who's a good dog? Who's the best dog? Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? He's a good boy. Yes, he is. We love dogs here. All right, wrapping with Royce is powered by Josh Arnold Investments. And now it is time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. We always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct at 952-925-5608 or listening to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Judd. A beautiful day in Minnesota. And with the exception of the mega stocks, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon, and add in some other winners such as Costco and Walmart, the screen was very green today as news that states were starting to open up for business. And that sent up distressed real estate, distressed shopping centers, distressed casinos, distressed hotels, and even some theme parks. Money definitely came out of the mega stocks, plus, as I said, Costco and Walmart. Plus, the market got a little boost from the semiconductors as applied micro devices uh, moved up ahead of their earnings tomorrow. And NVIDIA completed a merger with Mellanox that had long been on the waiting list. Thin financial technology companies such as Square and PayPal also had, had positive days. And it was a very nice day for some of the favorites that I have in the real estate market. Real estate at least liquid real estate, has been cheap, driven on the fear that people aren't going to be paying uh, rents, whether it be in apartments, office buildings, or shopping centers. But the real estate is cheap, and I do believe that those rents in certain cases will definitely be paid, and there is some select real estate that you'd want to participate in, whether it is in the uh, digital uh, real estate space, whether it is in the cell phone towers, whether it is in the storage space, and even if it is in the casino space because of the way the casino REITs have been uh, put together. Plenty of opportunity, but plenty of places that I would continue to to avoid. Despite the surge in in distressed uh, retail, seeing the likes of a Kohl's, a Gap Store, a limited 
um, limited brands moving up, still places I'd want to avoid, not run to, particularly when I've got the likes of a Target, a Walmart, a Costco, and even favorite Amazon uh, to go to. And speaking of Amazon, Amazon got a downgrade to a sell rating by a small um, small research firm because Amazon had hit their target of $2,400 a share, and they're concerned about Amazon's uh, growth going forward and particularly the cost that Amazon is going to incur to to hire hire people as Amazon has hired 175,000 uh, people at uh, an increased wage. There are also concerns about uh, issues in France uh, and Amazon and whether Amazon's going to be able to continue their growth, growth trajectory. I've got a very high target on Amazon, currently $3,500 a share. Amazon today closed down at uh, 2373 uh, despite the uh, Dow Jones finishing up 358 to close at 24,133, I am a big, um, I'll say a big buyer of Amazon. Amazon does report their numbers on Thursday, and we also have numbers coming from Apple, Microsoft, and Google. Should Amazon pull back on their numbers this week? I'd still be a buyer. Any questions? Give me a call, 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 